week two of the college football committee playoff rankings have come out. And within the top 10, we see a bit of a shakeup. Michigan State, Wake Forest, both of them have lost. Our new top four, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State. Welcome in to another episode of the Paul Farrington Show. Paul Farrington joined with Michael Rotundo and Robert Ziegler, who have now been on a podcast together. Gentlemen, aren't you excited to work together for once? Hey, it's nice meeting you, Ziggy. You're a great person, and I can't wait to discuss some college football with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we feel at the end of the show. I've been known to have some uh, <laughs> aggressive takes on air, so we're going to see how this pans out. All right, guys, so the big takeaway that we all agree on is how is the committee going to separate the teams that with head-to-head wins over one another versus total resumes? And we already see a little bit of conflict with Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State beat Michigan. However, Michigan's ahead of them. With Oregon and Ohio State, Oregon beat Ohio State, and Oregon's ahead of them. So at the end of the season, when it comes down to it, what do you think is going to be the more important factor in determining who sneaks into the playoff if it becomes an issue, head-to-head or resume? Well, Paul, I think there's no question that resume is going to be more important because we've already seen this playing out. The committee is just interested in putting the best teams forward. And obviously, like people of conspiracies, maybe it's right or wrong about TV viewership and the BAM invitational and all of that. But if your goal is to assess who the best teams are going to be, resume is the way to go. Now, that's not to say head-to-head games aren't important because head-to-head games usually will be two top five, top ten teams going at it against one another, and you can learn a lot. But ultimately, those games are won in the context of a full season, especially if they're early games. I think you have to weight them a little bit differently, and I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I remember we were talking off-air about this a little bit, about the the conflict between head-to-head and resume. And to be honest, I was leaning more towards head-to-head before just for the simple fact that we're seeing a lot of, especially in the Big Ten, we're seeing we're going to see a lot of one-loss teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and they're all going to start playing each other, and we're going to see what's going to happen in the Big Ten finals. But the grand scheme of things, and Ziggy, you, point, you made a good point. Resume is going to be more important, and we saw it with Michigan, Michigan State, how Michigan State did come back and beat Michigan. But when the committee was talking yesterday – they justified that decision just based off of Michigan's wins and how much they've won by. Well, that's what's crazy, Michael, to me, is that Michigan really doesn't have many exceptional wins this season. They beat up Wisconsin, who snuck up in the rankings now. But who else has Michigan beat this year that you look at and you say, that justifies them jumping Michigan State? I I don't see it anywhere. They don't really have any. They beat Nebraska by three, which is something of a notable win. They beat Rutgers by seven. But then, I know. I mean, you pull up Michigan State, they don't have any exceptional wins either, and they lost to the worst team. Michigan State beat Nebraska in overtime. I guess they beat Rutgers by an extra touchdown. They played close against Indiana. They played close against Western Kentucky. They played closer than you'd like against Youngstown State. I mean, neither of these teams are impressive, and I do think it's worth noting that ultimately the ranking of Michigan, Michigan State doesn't matter at all. Michigan State has a vastly easier path into the playoffs than Mm -hmm. Michigan because they have that head-to-head. So if it comes to the Big Ten Conference Championship, Michigan State will get in. But it's still an interesting thing to look at. You see, Ziggy, I might disagree with you. I can't can't dispute, you know, obviously Michigan State beat Michigan and has the tiebreak there. But if you look at both their schedules, I might say that Michigan has an easier path into the playoff than Michigan State for the simple reason that Michigan doesn't have to go – to Ohio State and play that game on the road. There's no way Michigan State's going to upset Ohio State. I think Michigan has a chance if they're at home. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at Michigan's remaining schedule, what, they're at Penn State. I mean, Penn State's not great, but playing in Penn State's not easy. They, they have the same three opponents. It's Maryland at home and Penn State at home for Michigan State with Ohio State on the road. And for Michigan, it's uh, on the road at Maryland, on the road at Penn State, Ohio State at home. Paul, here's my counter argument to that. When was the last time Harbaugh beat Ohio State? Can, can you tell me? <laughs> oh, no, he hasn't. Yeah. Do, do you see any reason to believe that this year he's going to upset that trend? I don't – well, compared to previous years, I think that the Big Ten is actually a little down. I think that that's their best chance is that these Big Ten teams, as we just said, none of them are really have really been that impressive. Ohio State struggled with Nebraska. So did Michigan and Michigan State. Sure, they're all top ten teams, but are they playing to the level of a top ten team? I don't think so. If that's the case, then I'm not as afraid playing Ohio State on the road when Ohio State has already this season lost at home. They're not invincible there. No, they're not invincible, but I'm saying I think there's a better chance of taking down Ohio State at home for sure than it is on the road for Michigan State would be. And Michigan, this is a really good team. I know that I, I know that they lost to Michigan State, but they controlled most of the narrative throughout that game. They should have won. Paul, oh, I don't think you're going to want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I might be more scared traveling to Penn State for a whiteout game than I would be traveling to Ohio State this year. And that's what Michigan has to do. It's a whiteout game. It's weird. This year they have two, right? Usually they only have one. They did it with Auburn earlier, but it is a whiteout game. And that has to be scary. Because do you remember the last Michigan whiteout game? That was, it was over before it started. All I'm saying is that I think that Michigan has a path. I think that the path is there. And I don't think it's, I think it's likely that Michigan State loses to Ohio State. At the end of the day, we can argue about what needs to happen, who's going to win. But at the end of the day, Someone from that Big Ten East is going to have to just win the – whoever just wins the Big Ten championship is in. That, that's the end of the story, I think. I'm not so sure that's true, but that's something we're going to discuss a little bit later. Now, actually, why don't we just get into it right now. If the Big Ten were to have a two-loss conference champion, it would likely be either Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State, as we said. They might be out. Like, between the Big Ten and the Big 12, here's our topic. Who is more likely to be left out of the playoffs? So initially, this question sounds pretty ridiculous, right? Because you look at it, you have three Big Ten teams before a single Big 12 team, right? So you might think, oh, yeah, the Big Ten's got an easy path. One of those teams is going to go. But Oklahoma has a pretty straightforward path. They beat Oklahoma State twice in their end. Right, this is a team that if they can just go undefeated, will get over, I think, any two-loss Big Ten Conference championship. If a Big Ten team loses twice as well, then it seems really likely that Oregon's going to go, assuming they won out. Or maybe that's a Cincinnati angle. But I think you put Oregon, Cincinnati, undefeated Oklahoma, or even possibly one loss to Oklahoma win Oklahoma State in over a two-loss Big Ten champion who probably played a close game against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Paul about this yesterday. I mean, I personally think Oklahoma's going to lose to Baylor because we've seen Oklahoma not really play well all season. They should have lost to Texas. They choked. Well, Texas choked. They should have lost to Kansas. And I think going to a hostile environment, Baylor is going to be a, going to be a pretty high-scoring game, but at the end of the day, I think Baylor will get that 10-point win. Admittedly, though, we have also seen Oklahoma developing a first-year quarterback. 
And he's gotten better as the season's gone on. Caleb Williams' play has improved significantly. Oh, I agree. But that doesn't take away the fact that Oklahoma's still not that great, I think. Even if it's a first-year quarterback. This one makes something so interesting, right? Is you've got Georgia at one. No one disputes they're the top dog. And then from two to like eight or maybe even nine, you see a lot of teams that are good, but no team, I don't think a single team from two to eight or two to nine is worthy of being ranked as number two. So this yeah. is probably the most open playoffs we've seen in a long time, maybe in this entire mm. system. Honestly, anything can happen. And these last three weeks are going to have some really good games. No, you're totally, you're totally right, Ziggy. The, especially in the Big 12 and the Big 10, all those top dogs who, as we said before, we don't even know if, they're, if it's validated for them to be top dogs just because they haven't beat anybody yet. They're all playing each other. So between Big 10 and the Big 12, I think it's more likely that the Big 12 falls apart with Oklahoma losing to Baylor or Oklahoma State. There's just more room for chaos there than the Big 10 because I do agree that Ohio State is probably the best team and will probably get through. Um, so I would have to pick the Big 12. But you make a great point in saying right now no one really deserves the number two spot. Those teams two through eight, I would say all of them control their own destiny except for your Cincinnati Bearcats, Michael. And how does oh, that gosh. make we're in, we're in a college football playoff this year. We're in a uh, final chase where we see, you know, seven teams competing for these two through four spots and everyone controls their destiny except the undefeated team with possibly the best win of the season at Notre Dame. Like, does that not bother you a little bit? Yeah, no, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, there's a little background. I've watched Cincinnati since like last year and I've been on this team pretty high. And this is honestly probably the best G5 team that has ever been constructed ever in college football. And Hold on. I'm going to give you a chance G5 to watch that ever. back really quick. No, nah, this is the best this... G5 team ever. Okay. Okay. I mean, I admittedly, you did say you started watching them like two years I ago. So it makes I sense know. you don't know a lot about G5 teams. I've been watching college football all my life. But I'm just saying, I became a fan of this team last year. Well, Ziggy, what do you throw out a G5 team that you like? I, I don't know how you put this team over, like, the 2008 Utah team or the 2010 uh, TCU team or, honestly, even 2017 UCF. This is a good team, but to say they're the best ever, come you on. Can make argument for, you can make an argument for UCF. There were a lot of really good Boise teams, too. Yeah, Boise 2009, 2006. Um, there are probably one or two more I'm forgetting. Like, it's, it's hasty. When a Cincinnati team has beaten one good team, to say they're the best group of five team of all time. All right. We'll say top three, just to have a middle ground here. We'll say top three. But if they make the playoffs, there's an argument for best of all time. Depends what they now, do on the I mean, we want Georgia. But going on, <laughs> but going on with uh, what you were saying, not well, this year alone. Look, it was looking pretty good. We're destroying teams. Being Notre Dame in Notre Dame, never easy to do. But the past three weeks, I feel like Cincinnati's giving the committee what they want as a reason to let a team like Cincinnati, who all, doesn't really face that many great opponents. If you look at their conference, if you look at the American Conference, <laughs> their past three teams have like combined like five wins. Like they're really not that great, and they're barely beating them. But the fact that Cincinnati's winning and the fact that they moved up, I, the committee is valuing winning in general 
other than style points. Should Cincinnati control their own destiny, though? They need help. They need help. They need help. They need help. And let me tell you, Alabama needs to lose to Georgia by a lot, three or more touchdowns. Oregon will lose at Utah. Ohio State, one of their next three weeks to lose, or if they make the Big Ten Championship, has to lose. And Oklahoma has to lose because I don't like my chances versus an undefeated Oklahoma team. But my, then, my, as a Cincinnati fan, my question to you is, should they control their destiny? Should they, if they win out, should they be in the playoff or should Ohio, oh. Oregon, Bama, Oklahoma, should all of them be, be preferenced above Cincinnati? If they win out, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think they should get that four spot. And why? Why? That's, that's all I'm asking. Well, first of all, and I was telling you yesterday, do you know how hard it is to win a college football game? I don't care about what the opponent is, how good or how bad they are. Just to win in general, to have an undefeated season, to win a conference championship. You play to win conference championships because if you don't win your conference championships, you don't have a chance to make the playoffs. So I feel like going, what, 13-0? and 0, You know how hard that, that is to do? Bama couldn't do it. Oregon's not doing it this year. Ohio State's not doing it this year. Cincinnati does it. I think that, and look, the other argument is that the caliber of teams they've played. And yes, I know, but Cincinnati doesn't get that shot. And when they've shown it versus Notre Dame, they proved to be good enough to win. But that's not their fault that they're in a, a bad conference. That's just, that's why they apply to being the Big 12 in a couple of years to not have this like debate of style points or how much they should win by. They just need to win. And I feel like the puzzle, the piece of the puzzle will be put in place, they'll get in. And then, okay, I will break loose. Yeah, what do you think of that? I'll let you take this first. I'll, I'll say this. Look, you are absolutely right, Michael. It is very hard to win a college football game. I'll also say this. It's very hard to blow out Power 5 teams. And yet pretty much every team above Cincinnati has done that, where you got Cincinnati struggling against your opponents. Now, look, I was totally willing to spot Cincinnati the Navy game. Right, Navy, they've got their triple option offense. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. hard. Like, th- that's a tr- that can be tricky. I don't think that's a fair test. Okay. I was willing to spot them the two-lane game because they shut out two-lane in the second half. All right, you have a tough beginning. You finish strong. Okay. I might even be willing to spot them this Tulsa game. You There's know, no spotting. This is a bad, that, it was a bad win. It was a bad win. It was a very bad well, win. I'm not you saying it's a good win. Question? I'm saying it's acceptable, right? Because Cincinnati was up multiple scores of just a few minutes left. Tulsa was able to get their eight points, but the game wasn't really in much question for very long. But the problem is if Cincinnati keeps doing this, you know, they're facing South Florida this week. This spreads 23 and a half. If they only win by seven or 10, that's alarming. They're facing SMU. SMU is not who we thought they were. They're facing East Carolina, right? The only thing people know East Carolina for is their cool mascot. (laughs) They're facing Houston. Like, they're not facing good opponents. And I really hate to say this because I usually hate these arguments. But, like, against the common opponent of Indiana, Cincinnati looked good, but they didn't look better than other teams. They're struggling against teams that really are weaker competition while you've got Teams like Alabama blowing out teams like Tennessee and Mississippi State. It's tough. It's just it's tough for me to see Cincinnati going up to four. And also they show us a little bit more because the talent gap is big. And no one seriously thinks Cincinnati is one of the four best teams in the country. Nobody believes that because it's false. This goes to the argument of deserving versus best teams. 
Which is another yeah. argument. We can have another podcast. But you, party deserves you, you can have your moral dessert all you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe in, like, principles where you earn your way in. I want to see good football <laughs> games. I yeah. want to see the best team win the national. It's called a national championship, and you win it. You get to call yourself the best team. Not the most deserving team. The best team. We're handing out, the best if you're handing team. out national championships for the most deserving team, you might as well be giving out participation trophies. But, Ziggy, I look at Oregon, and, I, I, and you know what? I'll say right now. I am pissed off that Oregon's at three. Oh, my you know, gosh. You should see my reaction with the first rankings. They California team that's not good. Stanford, Oregon has one win this season. It's very good. But when you compare that win to Cincinnati's win, is it that much better? Is, Where is two wins? Cincinnati season? had the third best win of all college football season this year. Only behind Texas A&M beating Alabama. And Oregon beating Ohio State. Cincinnati was the third best win. So what what argument have you got? You've just admitted that Oregon's got the better win. They do, but they've they got lost the to a better bad, win. They, they consistently they, play oh, lost, better opponents. No, they lost they lost to a bad team, though. That's that's oh. the point, I think. Paul's put put Cal in the AC AAC and they're going well over five hundred. Cal? The reason we think Cal is bad is yeah, Blaine Gabbers is one of the three best quarterbacks in the AAC. And Blaine Gabbers is terrible. He's disgusting to watch. What, some of my buddies from high school went to Cal. I watched him. It's vomit-inducing. And he's still better than basically, like, what, Tanner Mordecai, Clayton, too? <laughs> These are the guys we're bringing out? Like, come on. Like, come look, on. I'm not saying the AAC is good by any means because it's not good by any means. You have Cincinnati and Houston. But it's not Cincinnati's fault that they have to play bad teams. That's just how the schedule falls for them. And yeah, I don't well, think they should be held. I don't think they should be held against that. It, it does. Expand the playoffs. There you go. That's expand small. the playoffs. But until we expand them, you're going to have to it keep should, crying like a baby because Cincinnati should, shouldn't go. Should have been there for my persuasive speech yesterday when I talked about the expand the playoffs to 12 teams. All I'm saying is when you compare Oregon and Cincinnati, their schedules aren't going to be that different at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think that Cincinnati, if they have no losses, has a real, a real argument against, against Oregon. Oregon will have the win at Utah. They'll have the extra-ranked win there. But it's just that loss at Stanford is a bad loss. And mm-hmm. whether or not Cincinnati winds up winning out, if you win the game, you win the game. When Alabama plays LSU close, it's not so much of, oh, Alabama played a crappy team in a really close game, we should move them down. It's no. They persevered in a tough game and won. Same thing with Florida. Florida Florida's horrible. Florida just got blown out by South Carolina. Bama beat them by two. It's more of, oh, Alabama went into a tough environment and escaped with the win. Yeah. Cincinnati benefited the doubt. Let me ask you guys this then. If Cincinnati keeps winning, which they have to do, or else they're not going to be in contention for the playoffs, obviously. But say if they keep winning by like three points, for example, but then Ohio State loses – by a couple points, then Oregon loses by a couple points, and they both have two losses, but Cincinnati's still undefeated. I think you have to bump Cincinnati up, even if they yeah. are barely beating any good – even if they're barely beating bad teams, you have to bump them up. Let me be clear on my position here. A bad win is worth more than a good loss. I don't want to think, oh, like, the loss is just good. They played a good team. They lost by a little, so they're a good team. That's not the argument. The argument here is that – Bad wins aren't enough to beat a lot of good wins and one good loss, right? That's the claim. If if Ohio State and Oregon both lose, they shouldn't go. I'll put it out there. Based on what you say there, this is my question to you. 
Is a loss at Stanford a good loss? No. Does Oregon have a bunch of good wins? No. They have one good win on this, on this season right now. Cincinnati has one good win. Oregon's average win is significantly better than Cincinnati's average win. I, I don't think you're fully appreciating the talent gap between a team like Washington or a team like Colorado and a team like Murray State or Miami, Ohio. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I understand. I understand that's a big talent gap. I'm just saying they both have a big win on the season. Stanford is a, a, a bad loss. Yeah, Stanford is a pretty bad loss. If, yeah, at the end of the day, if Oregon wins out there in the playoff, like there's not, you know, it's not like that would be a discussion. At the end of the day, it's the BAM invitational. If anything, BAM is going to be two or three. If they lose close to UGA, they're probably going to be three. Oregon goes undefeated, they'll be two. Ohio State goes undefeated, they'll be four. Cincinnati will be five. We'll see Notre Dame get bumped up to like seven or six. And then that's what's going to be. <laughs> then it's going to be UGA, Alabama in the playoffs in the championship game. And everyone's going to be like, oh, surprise, surprise. And then we're going to see like UGA win by like three. And everyone's going to be like, oh, these are clearly two best teams. Speaking of the Bama Invitational, one final topic here to touch on. If Alabama goes to the SEC championship game, plays Georgia, and loses a close game, that'll give them two losses on the season. Do we think that they still sneak their way to the playoff in that they'd probably have to be the three seed, I imagine, because the committee wouldn't rematch them with Georgia as the four. I think that Bama loses and they're out. A lot of people, a lot of people have the opinion that the committee is obsessed with Alabama, which they might be, and that they, they put are. them in. I don't think so. I think if Bama loses, they are certainly out. Um, well, one, it all depends on the other teams. Like if Oregon loses one, they're down. Ohio State loses one, Cincinnati loses, and then Oklahoma loses. If we see a bunch of two lost teams and then Alabama loses close, they'll be in. But if Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, keep winning. Alabama, I think, will be out. Bama's in. But two loss, Alabama's in. If they, assuming they play like a, a – well, we're talking about a close game against Georgia. I think it was like three or four touchdowns. Uh, maybe not. But if they play a close game against Georgia, there's no question to me Alabama's in. Because, look, the committee has this argument. I call it the neutral field argument. They like fluster about a bit. They struggle to come up with something. And then they say, well, 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 what about Alabama on a neutral field? Boom. They'd be two touchdown favorites, three touchdown favorites against Cincinnati. Bama has to go. They're going to pull out the same thing here if they need to. It's disingenuous. And it's a bad argument, but they're going to bring it out anyway. That's yeah, it's the, Bama, it's the Bama privilege card. Yeah. Hey, Vegas gets to decide who goes to the playoffs when it's Alabama. And they know – and they know when Bama's in the playoffs, they're going to get the most ratings because everyone's just apparently a Bama fan. Well, speaking of not being in the playoffs, lastly, and Ziggy, you mentioned this quite a few times, that there is a big impact of Wake Forest dropping only three spots despite their loss to North Carolina. Would you like to go ahead and walk us through why you think that's so important? Sure. So Wake Forest was in a pretty similar spot as Oklahoma, right? They were undefeated. They had some good wins. They had some okay wins, but they were an undefeated Power 5 team. Wake Forest lost to a 4-4 four and four UNC game that really hasn't looked at all like what we expected this season, right? They got some Heisman talk going in for Sam Howell. People thought they'd be great. It just didn't play out that way, right? So you'd think losing to like a mediocre middle-of-the-conference team and, a, and arguably the worst Power 5 conference 
would drop them a lot, but it doesn't. It just drops them three. And I think that shows that Wake Forest is a strong cutoff point. If you are below Wake Forest at this point, teams like Baylor, BYU, Ole Miss, Auburn before last week, right? Teams that were getting a little bit of playoff buzz. I just don't think you have a chance. If a team losing to a really mediocre conference rival doesn't drop you beneath them. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And a lot of those teams that are below Wake Forest have three losses, but even the two lost teams. Baylor, BYU, and Ole Miss, I think, are the teams that really feel bad right now. Yeah, I think I, I would I would particularly say that, that group because BYU, I don't know if they have enough quality wins to, to make a case, especially with two losses already. For Ole Miss, it would take a lot. If they if Ole Miss wins the SEC championship, somehow they're not they, in. No, there's no way. I actually 100% agree with that statement. Even if Baylor, what's Baylor's remaining schedule? What they play Oklahoma next, and then whatever their next two wins are, they already have two losses. If they win out, it doesn't even matter because if they they're going to be an eighth-ranked Oklahoma team. It's not even top five. Like, they're going to be an eighth-ranked Be- Beating Oklahoma Kansas team. State and Texas Tech is not going to get them there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, don't, I, th- I think that Baylor has the best case for being upset, but, yeah, you have two losses already. Big 12 is not particularly strong. But you've got to leave them out. Yeah. The upside of this, I think, is that if you're Texas A&M and Oklahoma State, if things break just your way, like Texas A&M has to win the SEC championship, but they have a way to. Oklahoma State needs to run the table and have some chaos happen. But as we've talked about, it can happen. Those two teams, I think, and even to some extent Wake Forest, have to be looking at this as a lot of relief because there's a chance for them. I think Wake Forest is out. Wake Forest is done. The ACC is so bad. And I'm pretty sure that game versus UNC didn't even count towards the ACC schedule. I'm pretty sure No, it was a non-conference up. game. Yeah, which I don't even get how that, like, happens. Now, Realign it. I don't know. Now, lastly, before we end the show, looking ahead to this weekend, a lot of good games, a lot of ranked matchups. Is there any game in particular that you're focused on and you say, let's really circle this one and, and watch it because it's going to have an impact on the playoff committee's rankings come Tuesday? Well, for me, I mean, this is my game of the year. I've been saying I've been, this game has been circled for, like, the past month. I have Baylor winning outright, hosting Oklahoma. If Oklahoma loses, they're gone. There's going to be no Big 12 team in the playoffs for certain. That's why this game is so important. A one-loss Oklahoma Big 12 champion would get in over a one-loss Notre Dame. You'd have to say yes, right? Well, if we're looking at resume, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I think Notre Dame's better. It's unclear. I don't know what the committee is think. Yeah. It's genuinely unclear. Is it you have a game you're watching? Well, obviously, I'm going to be watching the Notre Dame-Virginia game because I'm going to be there, but I don't think that's the most interesting game of the weekend. (laughs) I hinted at the Michigan-Penn State whiteout game. I think that'll be interesting, but I'm not worried about that. No, the team I'm actually – the game I actually have circled is Purdue-Ohio State. Purdue is unable to win unless they are facing a top-five team, in which case this team just becomes completely transformed. Ohio State, number four – they have a history of letdowns against Purdue. You know, David Bell is great. I This Boilersmaker team scares me. I think Ohio State is possibly going to be looking a little bit too far ahead to Michigan, Michigan State. There's a lot on the line for them there. This game would scare me if it were in Purdue. Yeah, I think exactly. I would, That's right? what I was thinking. But I will say this. If Purdue somehow finds a way to beat Ohio State, it changes everything. It changes 
everything and in this conference. I'd give Purdue maybe have 10, 15, 20% chance to win. But if that chance occurs, and I don't think that's an unreasonable number, and that means it's well within the range of possibilities, things explode. It would be the most fun we've ever had with college oh football my. playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Just, and you have to struggle with Nebraska. Like, Purdue, we've seen them come in and play good games against quality opponents. Yes, well, normal. But, oh, my gosh, how much fun it would be, yeah. Purdue's playing spoiler. Purdue has no pressure on them. They know they're not going to be in the playoffs. They're just playing for fun. They're beating all these ranked teams. And Ohio State, I do agree with you, Ziggy, that they may be looking ahead to their later matchups. But this isn't a look-ahead game by any means. Purdue's a really good football program. But as you were saying, Paul, Purdue is a different team at home. I don't necessarily think they're that good on the road, which is why I think Ohio State will get the victory. Close game, though. A lot of fun games this weekend to look forward to. Michael, Ziggy, thanks for joining me today. You know, we'll run it back next week after the committee's rankings. Hopefully a little chaos. That, that is what we like to see. We're team chaos at this point. Mm-hmm. Team chaos. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. <laughs> yeah, Until this next is a good week. one. And, again, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys.